Okay, welcome back to our uh, video game education uh, something something. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, personality and its impact on the kind of things we get engaged in uh, and interested in. So uh, personality has been studied for a long time. And for a long time there was a... Uh, it's hard to, to, you know, kind of scientifically, uh, you know, measure personality. For the most part, you're stuck, you know, asking people uh, about their personalities, which is, of course, not so, uh, what's the word, you know, not so accurate. But if you, you ask enough people and you ask other people around them, like you ask the person and then you ask their family and their roommates and their co-workers and bosses and employees, whatever, that's so you can start to kind of cross-reference these things and, and get a, a bit of a clear picture. But, you know, not, not the, uh, not exactly a exact science. Um, so personality tests have gone through a lot of uh, different incarnations. Uh, one that's very famous I was famous for a long time, and you can still find uh, traces of it here and there uh, on the internet, personality tests and stuff. It's called the Myers-Briggs uh, test, their model. And uh, this was a, a highly inaccurate um, way to, 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 to view a personality, to kind of categorize people's personalities. Right? What, it, what it does is, what all these personality things do is, you know, I want to create a certain number of categories so that I can slice up the, you know, the, the extremely varied sort of array of personality traits that everybody has, and I can, uh, you know, slice them up into, uh, uh, you know, a handy number of boxes that everybody will fit in. Right? So, so Myers-Briggs had all these interesting categories, and you had to choose, right? You have to choose. Are you, uh, are you a judger or a feeler? Right? They had all these categories that you had to choose. Now, the problem with the, with the Myers-Briggs thing, um, and even in more like technical terms, when you talk about are you an extrovert or an introvert? Right? So these, these terms are not very scientific, first of all. And secondly, a lot of them force you to make choices that aren't really uh, choices. Right, why do I have to be a judger or a feeler? Why can't I be both or neither? Right? I don't, you know, the judges are more intellect-oriented, uh, blah, 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 and the feelers are more emotional. Okay, but what, why can't I have a powerful intellect and uh, very sensitive emotionally? Can't I have both? So Myers-Briggs basically just invented, the, the story was that she was a Talmud of, of Jung, and basically just bought Jung's personality theories, and her and her mom, that's Myers and Briggs, uh, built a test uh, where they basically just made up categories for personalities and then compelled you to choose which ones you were in. Um, so it's, it's, it's a made-up thing that has, you know, zero, zero scientific accuracy whatsoever. Um, and invents categories and makes you make choices that aren't really choices, right? Categories that I could be in both right, without that option being given. So over the years now, they've done a lot of research and... Uh, you know, I don't get into all the boring details of how they've developed over time, but basically nothing's going to capture, you know, the full gamut of 
of, of, of facets and aspects of someone's personality, but they can get the vast majority of what people talk about when they talk about personality falls into five different uh, spectrums, spectra, right? That's what they've discovered, right? They take all the data of all the personality terms that people use and talk about, and if you create these five categories, right, it contains the majority, the vast majority of them. Will there still be other things? Yes, there always will be. We're very complex creatures, right? But these five, and the way these five work is they are uh, a scale, and, this, and the question is, how, or is how much of each of these do you have? So it's, it's presence and absence, right? as opposed to something like uh, being introverted, being, being extroverted. Um, so we're going to have extroversion, but it's just how much of it do you have? All right, that's really going to be the question. So, uh, there's a lot of very large bats flying around over here. Oh, close to my head, actually. Um, so, here we go, ready? Let's do the five. Okay, and this is just interesting psychology stuff uh, for you guys to play around with and think about. Number one, let's start with what we said, extroversion. Okay, what extroversion means is, it is, um, these are all tendencies, right? Tendency towards uh, exploring the world outside, okay? Which includes the, your environment and other people. Right? There's a, a curiosity and exploration, active exploration of the world around you, the external world. Okay? That's extroversion. People who lack extroversion, notice I'm not calling them introverts. People who lack extroversion are people that are more reserved, more contained. Right? They're quieter. They're not engaging other people or their environment so much. Right? They're more contained within themselves. This doesn't mean, again, all it means is that they lack the external exploration factor. Right? They lack this drive or tendency to explore everything around them and engage all the people and see what's going on. It doesn't mean that they have anything different. Like when you talk about extrovert, introvert, you tend to be like, oh, it's these people that are all outer people and they get... I've seen uh, right now, you know, I get charged up and uh, refreshed by interacting with other people. Whereas the introvert, he gets refreshed by being by himself. Because right? he's more of an internal world, richer internal world. But let's push it nonsense. Right? As soon as you think about it for a second, that's nonsense. I get refreshed by hanging out with other people, and I also get refreshed by hanging out by myself. And I like to explore the world around me and interact with the people. And I also have a very rich internal world. What the heck is that? It's no choice there. Right? It's utter nonsense. So here in this scale, we're not going to be doing that. The first question is how much, how much of a tendency do you have to be engaging the world around you? That's the first scale. The second scale, which there's some machlekism about how to label it. People say openness. People call it, they label it intelligence. Um, this has to do with the rich internal world. This is sort of the internal version of, of the previous one, is how much are you exploring internally? Thinking about things. Creativity comes in here. Right? This is an internal exploration. 
of uh, your existence. Right? How much is going on inside? Person. The people that lack this doesn't mean they're extroverts. It just means they're dull in there. There's not a lot going on. Not a lot of big thoughts, not a lot of curiosity about how things work. Right? So now you could have both of these traits or neither of them or one and not the other. Right? You said you could be very engaged in the world around you and have a rich internal world. You don't have to choose like the movies try to tell us you do. You could be an external guy and not have a lot going on inside. You could have a lot going on inside and yet be, have for whatever reason, not engaging your environment so much or other people because anxiety or whatever. Or you could be both. You could be quiet and dull and really nothing going on in there. Right? Like, uh, there's all kinds of people like that. God bless them. Okay, so that's the second facet of personality is the internal world. How rich internal world and curiosity and creativity and all those, all those terms we use for people. Right? So, you know, you could, th- you could think about this all in terms of shiduchim. Okay, this could be a, a lemaisa shir in uh, dealing with shiduchim. Okay, the, the, the first set of things when they, she's engaging, she's very uh, outgoing, right? All those terms. And then the second one is that, you know, she's such a creative personality. And really a lot of... Uh, Highly intelligent and da, 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 all those things. Those are the first two. Number three, this is in no particular order. Number three is agreeableness, they call it. Now, agreeableness means it has to do with other people. How agreeable are you to other people? Meaning, how well do you get along with other people? And specifically, really, what that means to get along with other people, think about it is how sensitive are you to other people's needs? Right? Where I can detect that other people have their own sets of needs and I can kind of see how I impact them. Like if I'm going to work in a team, I can see how my presence impacts the other people of the team and my behavior affects them and things that they would need. And I, right, I have a consciousness of other people as people in and of themselves with their own needs and, and uh, desires and such. And as myself interacting with them, I can see the impact that I'm having on them. Right? It's a sensitivity, a social sensitivity. Right? This is where you're going to put things like friendliness and uh, works well with others, like from your you know, fourth grade report card, all those kind of things. He's extremely, he's a team player. This guy's a team player, they say. Right? All that kind of stuff that everybody, you know, everybody wants that guy. And somebody who's lacking in this, you know, the extreme would be like on the autism spectrum, with no sense of other people as, uh, you know, actual... Uh, you know, people with feelings and uh, what do you call it? no ability to grasp that or the impact you're having on them with your words or actions or whatever. We had a guy, uh, we had a guy in Yeshiva and Zichron who was, uh, who was on the spectrum. And uh, you know, Yeshiva, the Rabbi Black, um, he's a big Musser uh, person. But like myself, he had a lot of, um, he had a lot of very, strong Musser, uh, uh, what do you call it? And so uh, everyone had to learn with this guy, right? This, uh, everyone had to learn with this, this guy, and he was not a pleasant person to, uh, to learn with. Very unpleasant human being. And so he, uh, so he would never admit that you were right, ever. And the best you could ever get out of this guy, right, if uh, you're having an argument and shot or whatever was happening, if you wanted, the best you could give him, he would say, 
okay, we're going to go with that for now, right? With the indication that, of course, he's going to discover soon, um, you know, why you're totally wrong. And he's correct. I'll go with that for now. I have no idea that he's impacting someone else, that other people are seeing or what they think about him. No, no, no concept. And in between, you have a... Right? And, I, and the truth is, a person who has an extreme version of this, right, who has this dialed all the way up, sometimes uh, other people can... Their sensitivity to other people and their awareness of those people and their needs and your impact on them is overwhelming. Right? It's cranked too high. That is... Uh, Right? It gets kind of uncontrollable where other people start to override your, your needs. Right? That can, uh, and that can have a negative aspect too. These are not positive negatives. These are just personality traits. That's the third. That's the third scale. The fourth one, neuroticism. Now, neuroticism, whatever you think it means, neurotics has a very negative connotation, and okay, it, it does. But what they mean really is. And this, I, I would honestly, you know, you guys could research it on your own, but uh, I uh, was a little confused by the explanation of this. But uh, one one guy was saying it's it's negative emotionality, meaning how sensitive are you to uh, negative emotion? Things like anxiety, things like uh, depression. Things like being hurt and sad and those kind of things. But another guy said that that tends to go together with emotionality in general. How sensitively emotion, how sensitive emotionally are you? Um, so this is not like the creativity, more mental, rich, internal curiosity, intellect world. This is now a more emotional, emotional sense. And how sensitive are you emotionally? And apparently it comes up more strongly with the negative ones. Okay? And this is another uh, factor. And the last one is conscientiousness, which is uh, things like responsibility, the idea that, uh, you know, finishing tasks that you started, uh, being orderly, having things in their place, in the right times, um, all that kind of stuff. That is a, uh, that's, the, that's the, the, the fifth one. And they call these the big five. I think, you know, after the safari, uh, you know, big game, uh, thing. It's called the Big Five. You can look it up. There's another guy who invented the Big Six, and he has an honesty one also. Basically, whatever number you pick, as you have all this data about things people say about personalities, right? You have, I don't know, how many bajillions of, uh, of words and phrases and things. And so whatever you put into the program, whatever number you say you want it to distill to, it'll, it'll break it down to that number. So if you say you want six... Put, this, put as many of these things as you can into six boxes, so it'll give you six. And the sixth one will be honesty. If you tell it four, it'll give you four. So five really got a vast majority. I don't know what the numbers are, 80-something percent of the terms. If you did five with six, you get a little bit more. You could do seven, eight, but at a certain point, you know, it, it just stops being useful. If you have too many categories, you're, you need categories for your categories. Right? So the big five is kind of the accepted one. There's questionnaires online. You can get the new ones. have something like 300 questions to place you on this. This is the uh, personality model. So, what they have discovered, what's the value of this uh, for us video game designers right, and business people? What's the value? The value is as follows. Four out of the five traits, they have found impact the kind of things that you're interested in playing. The kind of game you're interested in playing is very much influenced by... Uh, by um, where you are on these personality scales. Okay, so people with more extroversion 
or less, people more curious intellectually or less, you can see that this would impact the kind of game that they were attracted to, right? People more agreeable and these things will lean towards more like, uh, will enjoy multiplayer games more, team-based playing more, okay? Conscientious people, it's a whole different kind of thing, right? And the way you play will be impacted. This is, uh, right? This is, let's say, like my son. My son is a, uh, my son has a very high in the openness intellect um, category. And uh, also, oddly, in that world, also very conscientious um, uh, kid. And let's say he plays like Minecraft, like for way longer than a human being should be able to. And I was watching him, because I don't understand, because I have zero interest in this game, right? I'm watching him, it's so complicated. He has these menus with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these items that interact with each other in different ways, and he has to keep track of all of them and use them in different ways, and he builds whole giant, like, cities, multiple level houses and things with different, like, how do you even know what this stuff does? It's so many details. So many little pieces, you know? It's like when you got those, uh, like the box of Legos with like bajillions of little pieces. I can never handle that stuff. My brother did that. I can never do that. Because of my son's personality, this kind of thing appeals to him. Right? All these different little boxes with different things, and he can put them together in different ways. Right? There's an exploration there and a creativity in the thing. I don't have. I like games where you run around and shoot things. Okay? Because I'm very, I'm low on the conscientiousness scale, and I don't finish things that I start necessarily. And I'm not, uh, I mean, I, I enjoy blowing things up. So there is a, there's another, as a an aside, historical aside, so there, uh, you guys will have to fill me on the name, I forgot the name already, but there was a, uh, a famous guy, okay, so this guy named uh, Bartle, who was one of the first, like, uh, he called a mud at the time, his thing, but, uh, but it, it was, a uh, you know, it was one of the, you know, the, the, the proto, the primordial uh, big games. Um, and so he, he developed uh, four, four types of players for that thing, um, which were killers, explorers, achievers, and socializers. And uh, people ran with that. That's become like a big thing. So he himself came out uh, and said, you know, that was a useful tool for the particular game that I was running, like... You can't take that and use it as a model for players of games in general. You have to build your own models, you know, to feed a game that you're creating. But just that's out there. You guys who are video game people have probably heard of him and it. So that's, uh, that's kind of been rejected as a, um, you know, as a workable model for these things. Okay, so relevance to us. What they have found is as follows. Okay. Oh, I said four out of the five. Neuroticism... They found us no predictive ability on what kind of thing you'll be interested in. Okay, it's the other four, right? Your external exploration, your internal creativity, your agreeableness and sense of other people, and your conscientiousness of uh, liking things that are ordered and, and liking to see things through from beginning to end. Those will impact what kind of games you're interested in. Right? Games that destroy, games that build, you know, those different kind of things. Neuroticism doesn't impact what kind of games you like. But neuroticism does predict how likely you are to quit midway through, right? As opposed to like a lack of conscientiousness where you just drop projects because, you know, 
like you make a mess, you know, you leave stuff lying around everywhere. This, because the neuroticism and the, and the tendency towards negative emotion, you get, it's like rage quitting, you know, you're going to get frustrated uh, much more and internalize the failure much more, which we'll talk about uh, at a different, in a different class. Uh, we're going to have a class about failure also, please God. Okay, so those guys are uh, more likely to be quitters, the higher you are on the neuroticism scale. So, good. So what they've found is that these things, the personality, and as you get, uh, it's, uh, the, the Neo-IP test is the one that you want. Um, you can look it up. It should be like 300 questions. You guys want to take the test? Enjoy. So when you, your personality, which is unique blend of, of different levels of, uh, and subcategories of these different uh, scales, so this personality of yours is going to uh, create an interest in certain things, okay? And uh, one, uh, the way I liked uh, one guy said it was, you can look at personality as a problem that you have that needs to get solved, okay? Personality creates, for us, um, a particular kind of hole that we need to fill. Not like self-determination theory, okay? Self-determination theory is, those are needs, like food, we said, right? Those three. The big three. That's not a personality type. That's just, if you're a human, you require those things. Like food is not part of your personality. That's just, everybody needs food. These things vary between person to person. And even in the person, they, cha they change over the course of your life. And they don't dictate the same way. In other words, just because you are a uh, low on the agreeability scale, right? And therefore you don't play well with others, doesn't necessarily mean that you won't join a multiplayer game. Right? Environmental factors may push you that way. If all the other kids in class are doing it, or that's the hottest game right now, or whatever it is. We do things that run counter to our natural personality leanings. But your personality does push you towards certain kinds of activities. Because right? your personality is a particular recipe that would then uh, create certain experiences that will satisfy. Right? Like if I'm high on the uh, extrovert exploration thing, so, so right, I'm really going to want some chance to interact with my environment and other people uh, very much, right, to get to know things and interact with stuff. If I'm very high on the curiosity, intellect, creativity thing, I may want puzzle, I may want more puzzles and things to think about and figure out internally, right, on the agreeableness scale, right, if I'm in a, a solid place in agreeableness, yeah, I may want other people to be involved, teammates, and work as a team, right? Each thing. So I, I, I construct a world now because of my thing. I need an experience that's going to involve exploration of the environment with puzzles and a team-based uh, play, right? And that's because of my unique blend of personality traits. That's what's going to hit the spot for me. And every personality can be um, looked at that way as a particular recipe to that'll lead you to be interested in certain types of experiences that fit that, right? That hit the spot. Puts you in the mood for something, your personality. But like I said, it's much more malleable than the other thing. These are not ironclad rules like the self-determination theory uh, needs. But here's the important part. Okay? All that's interesting, and I don't I mean, probably chidushim in the details, but the idea is not the fact that our personalities get us interested in different things is not exactly a chesh. 
But here's the relevant part for us, for the education uh, here, is personality gets us interested in things, but it's a very, very short-term interest. It has very little lasting power. Okay, the fact that you have a particular type of personality are attracted to uh, puzzles, or attracted to social interactions, or attracted to open world uh, environmental exploration, right? Or attracted to things that are, uh, you know, making order out of chaos, or these kind of things. The fact that you're attracted by these experiences, the, your personality is not enough to hold you there uh, through when the thing starts demanding investment of time and effort and stress and frustration, and these things, your personality can't hold you for that long. Okay, at a certain point, the personality juice, right, the gas that you're running on because of your natural personality, runs out, okay, in the face of work, which is what life is. It won't be able to hold you long-term. What holds you long-term, we know, is self-determination theory. Right? What holds you long-term, fulfillment-wise, is the sense of mastery, connectedness, and autonomy that you need. Those are long-term uh, pieces. Get those in play, and you can, right? That's a shleshadvarmalilam omage. The world will stand. So you can get in the door with your personality, right? Your personality will make you curious, right? Or, or attract you towards this particular uh, area, but for the level of investment necessary in life, for things that continue on for long periods of time, your personality is not going to do it. So this is why you find many, many people who float around, get interested in this, and then they drop it, interested in that. And it's not just a lack of conscientiousness. Even if they finish the project that they're doing, uh, they move on to a different thing. And you find these people that hop around from thing to thing, and, they, and what do they say? What do people we say? But I think he never found his thing. Right? That's what you say. Oh, this guy never found his thing. Right? And the truth is that he found this thing a million times. But your thing can only hold you for that long. And what you're doing is because you found your thing, that doesn't last very long. That's a very short-term commitment that can be made on personality alone. You have to design a world that's all-made. Right? You have to use your, your self-determination theory knowledge to build a world that will fulfill long-term and hold you long-term. That we know. But here's the important part. The important part is that there's a gap between the two. Okay? When you get interested in something because it appeals to your personality in some way, and now you engage the thing. Now we know that that's going to be limited time only. Right? We know that's not going to keep you there for years. We know if you want to be engaged in this thing long term, we're going to need to set up a sense of mastery for you, a connectedness to other people for you, a sense of autonomy. We know what you need to give you to be able to keep you here long range. Even if we try to put those things in play, in the beginning, there's a gap between when your natural, the appeal to your personality runs out and the long-term fulfillment uh, needs start to kick in. There's a gap in between, and that's a very dangerous time for uh, a video game designer, for example. Why? Because here you have a guy who was attracted to this because based on his personality profile, a game where he gets to shoot things and blow things up is like just what the doctor ordered for him. And I know I've designed a game well enough, 
right? That he's going to get a sense of competence and mastery, and I have a good multiplayer, we can get the connectedness. Right? And it's open world enough that he has the autonomy that he needs to feel like he's making his own choices. I got a good recipe in there that could hold him and help him feel fulfilled in my video game world for, uh, for a while, for the hundreds of hours I'm hoping to get out of this guy. But I know that in between his initial interest and the, you know, the actual uh, full engagement, there's going to be a gap. And in that gap, we need to figure out a way to hold him. Uh, one guy said that the, they, it was, he had uh, four stages of engagement. He said, um, the first stage is I heard of it. All right, it showed up on my radar. I heard of it. I heard of that game. The second stage is I tried it, all right? Maybe you played it at a friend's house or something once. I tried it. That's a, a little bit deeper level of engagement. The third level is, um, yeah, I've played that, right? Which is like I bought the thing, I took it and I played that, right? It's already a very strong level of engagement. And the fourth and final level is I play that, meaning I'm a player. Oh yeah, I'm a Fortnite player, all right? For those of you following along at home, they just had the championship. Some 16-year-old kid won $3 million. Uh, Richard uh, Norman sent me. Right? I'm a player. I'm a Fortnite player. Yeah. Right? It's something to be proud of, apparently. Right? That's the full engagement and identity. That comes once the self-determination theory stuff kicked in. Okay? And hearing about it and trying it, that's all personality-based, the beginning of playing. But how do I get you to play long enough to kick in the self-determination theory stuff to hold you long-term where you start feeling yourself to be a player, I need something to fill that gap. Now this is where all the lowly schmuck stuff kicks in, okay? This is where we want to use that, that's, this is the correct use of all those, um, of all the lowly schmucks that we discussed uh, in a previous share. Apologize for the noise. Um, so now we got you. Your personality indicated you got interested in this. I don't know, the cover art, the thing, the, the uh, trailer for it looked good. Your friends said they liked it. You got interested. You heard about it. You tried it. You're starting to play. Now we're going to use Lolishmas to hold you. Let's say, I'll give you an example. Right? Remember we said Lolishmas have to do with I'm doing this now to get to somewhere, to get to something else, right? I'm not here because of this now, I'm there to get to something else. So one thing you've noticed in games, for those of you that play games, is that you level up very quickly in the beginning, right? This is true for all games. Everything from, uh, everything. All these games work the same way, in a sense. You level up very quickly in the beginning, things change very quickly in the beginning. And then, as you get further in the game, it's, it's longer and longer between uh, it takes more and more effort and time and work to level up further. Right? As you get further and further into the game, it's more and more points required for each new level. Right? That's just how games are built. So part of the idea is what we're saying now. Because in the beginning, I need to figure out ways to hold you. Okay? Artificial ways to hold you. Lolishma ways to hold you till the SDT, that self-termination theory stuff, can kick in. So leveling and, uh, and, and those, the kind of, those kind of achievements, because it's right there and it's so possible, I'll stick around to get to level two. It's like, I'm so close to level three. Oh, I'm so close to that new gun or that new 
ability or the solving that particular puzzle, whatever it is, they give you things that are much quicker, where you can see the end much, uh, it's much closer and more possible, and that creates sort of a drive to reach that goal, right? I place these goals that you can see and you can see that you can get to relatively quickly, right? And so as you do that, I start to space them a little bit further because as you're staying engaged because of these lolishmas of trying to hit these particular goals, as that's happening, without you realizing it, the self-determination theory stuff is starting to build up. And so after a while, I can move the, the goals further and further away because you're able to just play the game now. And you're not even necessarily thinking about the next level anymore. You're just playing and then you automatically level up, but you, it's been a while, but you didn't notice because now you're engaged in the game. That's the idea. So this, moving this to our world, um, this is so, uh, I mean, it's such a critical system to be aware of. Right, it's regular, so you want to educate someone. Someone's going to come to yeshiva. Right, so you have to recognize that, that their interest in yeshiva may be personality-based, right? on your particular yeshiva, or whatever you're doing. You guys are hiring people for jobs, whatever. I'm in yeshiva, so that's the model that I use. That comes in, you recognize that you have the guys that come in, you know, and they come in for a week or whatever, short-term period, and you have your lifers who've been there for years. You have to recognize that there's a gap between the two stages that needs to be addressed. Right? That a guy's initial curiosity and interest, based on whatever the personality appeal was, is going to run out on him before the kind of long-term satisfaction and fulfillment aspects of the scene can kick in. And you need to be there for him in that interim in between to give him something and some way to hold on when this, when the initial juice wore out, ran out, and the more long-term engines didn't kick in yet, right? Because otherwise what's gonna happen is he has this situation that could have been satisfying to him and could have been a fulfilling life for him. But he, but he lost motivation in the middle. He's like, yeah, it just wasn't for me. It's like, no, you know what, it really was for you. You just needed to stick around a little bit longer and let it kick in. And I mean, it's like uh, changing your diet. You don't see the results right away. You guys ever do diets? I have. What happens in the beginning? You're very interested in this that appeals to you for whatever reason, and you start it. And then you see other people have been doing this diet for years, and it's very fulfilling for them. But there's this in-between stage, in between the initial interest and the long-term satisfaction, there's an in-between stage, and that's the correct use of lolishmas. We spoke a lot about lolishmas and our, our negative relationship with them, Alpi Chazal. This is the proper use for them. Okay, we mentioned this uh, in the other year, but this one is, uh, and now you see the full system. This is how you educate someone long-term. Okay, all these cure of organizations, all these things, for the most part, from what I've seen, you know, they create things that are very attractive. They create a pack, they're trying to create a package and market it, really, um, of something that is going to appeal, right? So they, uh, so they use the, the social media tools and the things that will appeal to uh, whatever their target audience is. And they try to package the Torah and Judaism and sell it in a way that will appeal to people, right? 
But that appeal and that interest that brings them in is not going to hold them a long time. And it's true that there's a, a long-term lifestyle here that's extremely satisfying and fulfilling, but that they're not going to get to on personality alone. There needs to be, this is the real chiv of the educator, the real job of the educator is to see them through that transition period, right? to figure out ways and structures and tools to help them hold in place long enough for the, the long-term uh, nutrition, so to speak, to start to kick in, where they'll start to feel good and fulfilled about this. Right? That interim period is really your primary job as, a, um, as an educator. Right? They'll come on their own. Everybody's personality pushes them in different ways. Right? You can maybe learn how to phrase things or express things in a way that appeals to people's personalities, if you'd like. And once people are feeling fulfilled, then what do you call it? Obviously, you have to be building a program that actually you know, sustains and fulfills people, but that was the self-determination theory talk. But this is the, the, the chiddush of this one is this, the gap problem. Okay, the gap problem is that between here and there, uh, you're gonna need something in place, something artificial. All right, and that's unfortunate, and no one, and like we said before, no, you shouldn't live in that world, but the correct use of it is to help people through this, through this gap. And so now we're gonna, so we've taken the, the problem that the video game designers have, right, which is how to, design the game in a way that will hold people through the gap till the long-term goals can be right? and that we're using that as a, a model for us and it's the emesamito shodavar okay i've been in uh teaching in the yeshiva 15 years now right? which uh, doesn't sound like such a long time to me but longer than i've done anything else in my life and it's definitely true there's no question there's no question, the whole thing is, there's no question about, uh, you know, putting all the thoughts that we've had together. Uh, there, there's no question to me of the, the truth of all these ideas. Okay, you're going to end up with people in three different, you're going to end up with three different, uh, three different trajectories. You're going to have the personality level people, and they just wander in and out. Right, they're very short term, little butterflies. They're very short term engagement. And then they and they move around. They're like, oh yeah, I went to H for where were you? I went to H for a while here. They're really good classes. You know, they float around different things, whatever tickles their fancy at a particular point in time. Right? And it holds them for a little while until things get uh, you know, a little too much. A little too much stress involved or work required. And then they go, one guy actually told me that explicitly. It's like you have so much work here. I went to H where they just talked to you. Then you're going to have the second level guys who have moved into phase two, right? But remember, phase two is you don't have the initial personality interest anymore, but you don't have the long-term fulfillment any yet, so it's going to be all artificial, external stuff. So these people are extremely low oriented. It's all achievements and goals and test scores and smicha, and I'm writing a book, and I'm th right? They always have some project going on. These guys are always writing a, he's writing a book, or he's doing his thing, or he's... Right, or he has an intensive Bikiyas thing where he's finishing Dapim and uh, he's got to make Siyumim on Mesechtas and he's, whatever it is, whatever your, your thing is, you keep creating all these goals um, that you can meet that keep you engaged, right? And some people, that's where they live, right? And so for a lot of those people, they, it doesn't last because the fulfillment's not there. 
And so they're pushing, 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 and they are not feeling satisfied and not feeling good and fulfilled in their lives. And they think it's because maybe they're not pushing hard enough, so they push harder and harder. And then they realize it's not, it has nothing to do with pushing. It's that your life has been designed incorrectly. Right? You're not following self-determination theory. So there's people on that boat, and we all know those people, right? Achievement people, driven people, many times are miserable long-term because, you know, you can't be achievement-oriented for life. It's not a life. It's a life of misery. Everything's always in the future. Everything's always uh, the next goal and the next goal and the next goal, and you're never happy because that's not what makes happiness. Goals and achievements and stuff we use to help you stick around long enough for life to actually uh, get good and satisfying and fulfilling, and that's the third level of people. These are people who get comfortable with where they are. They're now in a place that gives them a sense of mastery. They have a sense of connectedness to the people around them. They have a sense of autonomy, that the things they're doing were their choice, that they're here, that it's, it was a, a voluntary uh, um, move on their part. Those people are, are no longer you know, subject to the whims of personality. And they're no longer uh, achievement focused anymore. They don't mind. Okay, so we'll learn less this month. All right, yeah, so okay, that program's not going to happen. Oh, but I need to finish my thing and get my smicha. Okay, you won't. So we went to Rabbi uh, Tagger when uh, Benji and I were learning Nida, and we thought we were going to do a smicha in Nida, and then uh, and Tagger said, no, if Zafani refuses to do it, you have to do Basa Bachala first. And I said, but we're in the middle of the Nida thing. He's like, what's your hurry? What's your hurry? So you do it after. I mean, what's your hurry? The program's a three-year program. You do it after, what, four years from now? Yeah, what's your hurry, man? You got to get it done. And at that point, you can make those decisions because that's not what it's about. I'm not here. I don't need to be achieving things to be able to stay here. And I'm not... I haven't been suckered into the idea that these goals and achievements are where it's at. Those were just tricks. All that stuff was just tricks to keep me occupied while the real engines kicked in. And once the real engines are going, so not that it, you should have goals. I'm not anti-goal. I'm just saying that's not, that's not a life. You can't have a life based on that. Those are tricks and tools to get us to move in certain directions, but to be a lifer at whatever you're doing requires that your long-term needs are being met. And once you've entered into that third phase, Life is a lot more comfortable. Right? And you're a lot more fun to be around also than the other people. Right? The kind of wishy-washy personality floating from one thing to the other every two weeks, people are not so much fun to be with, at least for me. Yeah, they're interesting. They have a lot of good stories because they've had a lot of experiences, but they've had a lot of experiences because they haven't ever stuck to anything for very long. Right? So they sound interesting, but they're not a lot of depth uh, necessarily. And the driven people we all know are no fun to be with, right? Because they're always so busy driving, and you can't help but feel bad uh, around those people because you're not doing nearly as much as they are, right? So it's a, it'd be kind of, and all the competitive feelings and stuff come out. And very unpleasant. Uh, driven people are very unpleasant to be around. But the last people who are, you know what they're like when you uh, when you make it to the final stage and you've built a life where your needs are being satisfied, you can live in a place then where it's like after a good meal. You know, after a good meal or a good sleep, 
whatever it is where you like, you really don't need anymore. I'm good. That's what she said. I'm good. You, you can live there. I'm good. It's like, oh, we should do this. No, no, no. All those feelings are coming from some sense that you're not fulfilled. You need to rethink, go back to the self-determination chair and remodel things for yourself. Okay? So that's true for us. And as educators, again, the important point here was when you're helping people through, recognize they're going to need an external artificial structure to help them through to get to a point where they can relax and be satisfied and fulfilled. Then it's okay. It's okay to have artificial goals and create a, a drivenness, ambition, and a competition, and all that stuff is okay. It's okay as a stage. It's okay to get through that phase. But like the, you know, the booster rockets, whatever, should be jettisoned as soon as you're out of the atmosphere. Okay? That's the correct use of that stuff. It's not good, it's not bad, it's useful. Okay, and please God, um, bless everybody. Uh, that's the end of this particular section. He's got to hope some of these insights are useful to somebody out there, uh, either for yourselves, educating, like we said, your kids, your students. Um, and if not, at least hopefully it was entertaining. <laughs>